this is Kaylee Humphreys, two-time Olympic champion in bobsleigh. Hey, this is Jonathan Simpkin. I am the president of 604 Records. Hey, I'm Sam Roberts. Hi, I am Julia Budd, Bellator 145-pound, three-time world champion. Hi, this is Sama Zadora, and I'm a sex and relationship guru. Hey, what's up? This is John Humphrey, drummer for the rock band Seether. Hey, I'm Kristen Renton. Hey, this is Troy Lachana from Tesla. Hi, it's Captain Kirk McLean here, and you're listening to the Toddcast podcast the Toddcast podcast is powered by the pint vancouver's favorite sports bar at 455 abbott street and online at vancouver.thepint.ca now here's your host todd hancock as you get older don't you love thinking back to when you were a kid and growing up like you know thinking back to grade five friday nights were the night for music videos friday night videos good rocking tonight i remember going to a good friend norm halverson's place up in terrace northern bc uh, crashing overnight eating junk food staying up way too late kind of thing watching the new videos van halen jump and duran duran hungry like the wolf michael jackson beat it helix rock you it really didn't matter we just ate it up and as just as much as it was about the videos on that night it was also about the host Stu jeffries he was the coolest playing these videos interviewing the bands he's without question one of the main reasons i went down the broadcast path as well and Stu jeffries is a guest this week as the years go by, um, and I mean, I am, don't get me wrong, when people say nice things about me, I love it. It's so wonderful. But I think that if you stay in something long enough, you'll be a legend whether you're good or not. And I think people throw that icon sort of, you know, name and whatever out there and say, like, you're an expert at this and that. Well, it's just that I've been doing it a long time. Joining the legendary Stu Jeffries, Canucks writer, managing editor of Nux Misconduct, and the host of the Morning Practice Podcast. Trevor Beggs is on the podcast this week. What can I say, man? Ever since I was uh, just a wee lad, I just uh, love talking sports, love writing about sports. You know, one of those guys that, uh, you know, didn't quite have the build to make it. So, uh, you know, I, I scratched the itch in other ways. Great to finally sit down and have a talk with Trevor. Been following him on social media for years. And this week's musical guest was singing at Legions and Motor Hotels by the age of eight. Am I reading this right? You'll hear from her in just a minute. Coming up shortly in Stop Me If You've Heard This Before, fitness icon Monica Brandt talks about Star Wars and Star Trek and shared a pretty funny story about her brother as well. That is powered by our friends at FKP MMA. Uh, my youngest guy, Levi, he goes a couple times a week, absolutely loves it. Nothing but great things to say about not only the management, but the trainers as well. Their window says something like, no man or machine will train you better. And they are absolutely right. Easily Vancouver's number one training destination. Check them out through fkpmma.com. First, our first guest of three, this week's musical guest, as mentioned, Canadian singer-songwriter Serena Ryder, who is playing in Mission tomorrow night, by the way, September 14th at the Clark Theatre. Now, Serena Lauren Ryder was born December 8th, 1982 in Toronto, although she grew up in Millbrook, Ontario. You'll know about, or at least have heard about Serena since 2007 when her song, Weak in the Knees was a big nation hit. Since then, queue up eight studio albums, huge world tours, Juno's domination. In 2008, she won the Juno Award for Best New Artist of the Year. The next year, 2009, she wins the Juno for Adult Alternative Album of the Year. In 2010, she won the Best Video of the Year for A Little Bit of Red. To date, Serena's won seven Junos. I feel like... You know, it's it's like in the moment when it happens in the moment. And I feel like one of my biggest career highlights has been, has happened really recently where I've played Massey Hall many times. Um, this was, I played a headlining show on April 1st of this year. And I felt so present in myself when I was there like normally with something like that I would kind of dissociate or be so nervous that I couldn't even like slow my heart rate down or be where I was and so a lot of the time when my emotions are really high um, I don't remember things right because I'm not really there I'm too nervous mm. and I can't really 
be grounded and be in myself. And um, I played Massey Hall with William Prince. We sold it out. It was sold out. And there was just so much love in the room. And I felt like, like I remember the show top to tail. And I remember being on the stage and I remember, and just, you know, the honor of being able to play sell out Massey Hall, you know, is, is Matt is amazing. So that's one. And then I guess a, another career highlight was actually just this past, this past weekend. Oh, cool. Where I, I played in, uh, I played at this festival called Bear Creek in Alberta. And because I've been touring for so long and the Canadian music world is such a tight kind of community. Like after you've been touring for a while, it's like you're friends and family with everybody. And I got to this festival and festivals are my favorite because it's not the you show. It's right. the everybody show. Yeah. And then of it's course you get to other, watch bands too. You and get it's to watch fun, bands right? and hang yeah. out and jam with people. Yeah. And there were just so many amazing musicians that I loved and adored for so long, but that were actually all my friends now that I I felt really close to. And so I was able to kind of be there and be in awe and also know them and love them. And it felt so great, like to be able to, like, I ended up performing with a bunch of my friends. I sang with Rose Cousins, who's one of my all time favorite writers and singers. I sang my favorite song with her. I sang with Blackie and the Rodeo Kings and I've been, you know, I'm family with, with Tom, like he's family. Like I, his son's my boyfriend, Thompson. So it was like this family. And then um, I sang with um, Steve Earle. I got up and sang with Steve Earle at the end of the night. And because he had taken me on tour when I was 19, 20 years old in Australia mm. and really took me under his wing and like made sure I was getting home on time, make sure that I was eating and that I was safe, you know? And he actually sang on my new record too. Steve Earle, um did a duet with me. Um, so I have like a duet side of the new album, The Art of Falling Apart. And there's a bunch of different duets I do with people that I love. Steve Earle, Melissa Etheridge, people that I've known for a really long time as well. So I just felt really, really, I did feel like this past weekend was like so much gratitude. You know, it's just crazy to talk with somebody like Serena about career highlights. Like, check this out. In 2018, she got the Margaret Trudeau Mental Health Advocacy Award for her work in mental health. You've heard her music in Grey's Anatomy, in the CFL, the Rough Riders. Remember, they used what I wouldn't do as a promo in, in a promo video. She performed O Canada at the 2014 NBA All-Star Game. I remember that. The same year, she hosted the Junos. She took home a couple of awards that night as well. Serena performed at the Pan Am Games closing ceremonies. 2018, her song Be The Ones was chosen to be the official theme song for the 2018 Arctic Winter Games. She was inducted into Canada's Walk of Fame last year. Straight up a gigantic career. And as mentioned just a couple minutes ago, one that started at eight years old, she was playing Legion's Motor Hotels. Her dad gave her a guitar at 13. By 15, she's playing classics and folk songs with her piano teacher at the time at a local local coffee shops. And at 15, released an album. Well, my series, I'm doing this, um, like I started, like I put out my first record when I was 15. Okay. It was wow. a tape. 15. Yeah, 15. And I made a tape in order to make enough money to make a CD. And then I released a CD when I was 16. And then I had a full band put together by the time I was 17 um, called The Weak Knees. And it was with me, Dave Tuff, Greg Roy, Bo Dixon. It was so much fun. Um, and by the time I was 18, I was in a bunch of different bands doing like cover songs and different things like that. I was in like a Marilyn Manson cover band when I was like 13. <laughs> no. Yeah. Seriously, that's and, awesome. Yeah. And just lots of different things like R&B, lots of slips in the high fives, hot butter, Charlie and the oils, like really interesting music. Nice. Um, and then by the time I was um, 19, Hoxley Workman um, and his manager, Sandy Pandia, I was 18 they heard me on the radio and he'd wanted to sign, he'd been wanting to sign a female artist. 
Um, and I just started touring like crazy um, with him in Europe, opening up for him, signed to his label. Um, his manager, Sandy, became my manager. She's been my manager since I was 18. Um, you know, so we've been working together for 22 years now. And it just kind of went from there. Just like I've always been playing, 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 playing. And great to jump a Zoom with Serena. I mean, easily one of the best, most successful Canadian singer-songwriters, literally, of all time. We talked about the shows that she was binge-watching, how David Bowie was a celebrity crush as a kid. She talked about seeing the Tragically Hip at 11 years old, blowingminds.com. Uh, it shouldn't really come to a surprise to you to hear that, you know, music's just kind of in her blood. Her biological dad was a Trinidadian musician who immigrated to Canada in the early 60s. Her uncle, singer-songwriter Bob Carpenter, worked with Emmy Lou Harris. Well, I kind of came out singing. Um, I I got on stage for the first time at my um, my stepsister's wedding when I was two years old. Nice. I was I was singing like I just knew the words "Beat It" and I sang "Beat It" by Michael Jackson. And there's a picture of the band behind me, and on the kick drum, the name of the band was Careers Without College. Nice. So it was, you know, it was foretelling for me because I didn't graduate high school, but um, because I started touring. <laughs> right. But uh, but yeah, so it is in it is in my family too. Like my mom, mm. uh, Barbara, she was a go-go dancer, backup singer, tambourine player. Oh, um, great. my dad, Spike, who raised me since I was three years old, he's been my dad and he's, he's a great guy yeah. um he uh he used to listen to music all the time roger miller like so much that was my favorite musician still is one of my favorites okay. roger miller culture club julio iglesias willie nelson wham like that kind of stuff and then um my uncle um who i never had the opportunity to meet his name was bob carpenter and he was a very very well-known folk musician would write songs for like Tom Rush and he put out a bunch of records. Emmylou Harris sang backups on his album. Um, and then my biological father who I never met was um, from Trinidad and he was in a Calypso band oh, no. called the, the trade winds. And so, yeah, it's like fully in my family. It's in your blood. And, yeah. Yeah. And by the time Serena's 17, she goes to the integrated arts program at the Peterborough Collegiate Vocational Institute. Say that one five times fast. Say that once fast. And a really cool story about her playing her first show in Wakefield, Quebec. Uh, the owner of the venue was just so blown away by what he was seeing that he called the producer. He knew the producer of, of CBC's Bandwidth show, uh, who then invited her to play the show, which you heard her release as a live EP, The Serena Rider Live. After that, she was invited back to play, you know, festivals, and then it was all about winning over the crowds and growing that fan base. We talked with Serena for 22 minutes, which you can hear right now at our iTunes and Spotify SoundCloud pages. Of course, subscribe, tell your friends about us as well. Uh, you can see it at our YouTube channel. We post all of the interviews we do, all the live shows from the past, all the current blue light sessions that we're doing at the Blue Light Studio, East Vancouver, which are fantastic. Find everything podcast related at Toddcast podcast. Hey, it's like we know branding. So she talked about the worst jobs that she's had. She told a near death story about flying over the Atlantic, how she's loving sobriety. We got into it with her. She shared stories about playing shows with the greats like Aerosmith, Bruce Springsteen, her buddy, Melissa Etheridge. What a beauty, such yeah. a beautiful human inside and out. And we went on tour together. I was 29, 30. So I guess it was like 11 years ago. And it was just after I had gone through a really deep, deep depression. And I jumped on the tour bus with her in, I think it was like Edmonton or something like that. And it was like minus 30 at the time. And jumped on the bus with her and all of a sudden was like, she just welcomed me into her life. And she was such a, such a joy to be around. And I felt like we were family right away. And we became really, really close. Me and her and Linda, um, her wife, that was before she was her wife at the time. We just connected like family, you know, when you meet someone, you're like, I know you. Mm -hmm. And like, this is really, really familiar. Um, 
which is so interesting because like my whole career before that people are always like you sound like melissa etheridge and you know we both <laughs> have this raspy big voice and stuff and yeah um and then yeah we ended up just just becoming family and she really took me under her wing and uh, we've been friends since then and you know i go and visit her and hang out with her and um yeah she's just a kindred spirit you know nude vodka soda powers the podcast podcast Sugar and sweetener free with just a hundred calories and zero carbs per serving. Visit them online at nudebeverages.com. heard this before on the Toddcast podcast. Chances are you know fitness icon Monica Brandt or at least know her to see her. She's been on the cover of over 100 international fitness magazines. Her competition days 
Go back to the early 90s. She won the 1998 Ms. Fitness Olympia, blazed the way for 15 years before retiring from figure competitions in 2013. And when Monica was a guest, we talked about the shows that she was binge-watching, specifically Tiger King, seeing George Strait and Pink in concert, Aliens came up, so did Coping with the Pandemic, Growing Up Christian. She puts a positive spin on sheet foods. We talked about bad calories, what you should be looking for in a personal trainer, in person or online. And stop me if you've heard this before, Monica talked about Star Wars versus Star Trek and shared a pretty funny story about her brother as well. Well, let's see. I have fond memories of, well, my brother was a big, my brother is, two years older than I am, and we're super close growing up, and we lived in the country, so, you know, we did a lot together, and he was a huge Star Trek fan. However, Mm. my family got all mixed up, and he would end up with all the Star Wars stuff (laughs) all over the years, so I have lots of memories of all the Star Wars stuff, and then my brother always going, I like Star Trek, and my family could never figure out who, which one was which, so he (laughs) ended up with all this... Star Wars stuff over the years, so, you know, I, uh, I've i watched a lot of it, you know, I, I don't know, I like it, it's just kind of, you know, comical, some of it, yeah. and um, I think, you know, probably my brother would like it if I said Star Trek, so we'll go with that. Star Trek, yeah. Stop Me If You've Heard This Before on the Toddcast Podcast is powered by FKP MMA. Vancouver's number one training destination at fkpmma.com. Hey man, what you doing tonight? Do you want to go and see our show? I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. But thanks for asking me to go. If you're staying in, I could bring over some jam and soda. If it's not your fight, no, I can't do. Even if I wanted to, I gotta be at work by nine. Maybe I could see you later. If you're not going to meet your maker, you're growing old while you're still young. Somebody to call I throw out some lines Everybody's got no time They're busy doing nothing at all If you're hot up on cash Or drunk off your ass I'll grab the tab and get you home By your curfew Leave them kids at home They need some time alone They're probably better off without you Did you ever stop and think To wonder How everyone got six feet under You're growing old you're still young All my friends are dead So I'm hanging by myself instead It might not be the end But all my friends are dead
I think we can kind of all relate to that song. All My Friends Are Dead. Dan Moxon, the lead singer of Bend Sinister, B-E-N-D, Bend Sinister. New song for him, All My Friends Are Dead, fitting, timely, throwing shows and hoping your friends are going to come out and check it out. He and I, of course, are hoping that you'll make it out for the next Blue Light Sessions that we're doing at the end of the month on the 24th. He's grabbing a piano, banging out some solo songs and some band music, some covers, no doubt. And uh, as we do at the Blue Light Studio, there's a Q&A throughout the performance as well. It's a fun little night. If you know, you know. So it's Saturday, September 24th. Only 60 tickets are printed for these shows. And you can get them right now through eventbrite.ca. It's 20 bucks. Do a search of Toddcast Podcast on eventbrite.ca. That's B-R-I-T-E, bright.ca. Search out Toddcast. You can't miss it. It's our only event online right now. If you want to roll the dice and hope that there will be tickets at the door, you can do that as well. It's 25 bucks night of. Played you Nicholas Rage, and that was their awesome song called Gravity, and they are based out of Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, we're just on tour, actually, of Alberta and BC, played Bullies out in New Westminster a couple of weeks back now, I guess, maybe two, three weeks back, right around the time I got sick enough to not want to go out and see shows, which is a drag, considering they're easily one of my favorite bands of the last decade. Not even kidding. Not blowing smoke. Uh, coming up in just a few minutes, in Listen to This, Ed the Sock tells the story of broadcasting for much music at the Woodstock 99 show and how that's w- easily one of his career highlights. That is powered by our good friends at Tedco RV Supplies in Langley. RV service, repair, ICBC accredited. You can find them on Facebook and on Twitter at Tedco RV Supplies. First, the second of three Toddcast guests this week is our sporting guest, Vancouver Canucks writer, managing editor of Nucks Misconduct, and the host of the Morning Practice Podcast, Trevor Beggs. I don't know why I said it like that. I just did. That's brought to you by Hand Over Hand Textiles in Vancouver. Good people, naturally dyed goods for your home and body. Pure plant extracts, natural fibers, good for mom earth. It's not a bad thing. They make great gifts as well for your earth-friendly friends. Find them at handoverhandtextiles.com. Trevor's a good follow on social media. You get a triple threat with this kid. He's a Canucks writer, as mentioned. You get stuff with the Nux misconduct, highlights of the morning practice podcast. He's mainly sports, but the beauty about Trevor is he's not afraid to share his opinion, ruffle some feathers along the way if he's got to. That's the the online life that we know of Trevor. He talks more about the financial side as well. He's a financial advisor for his full-time job, had no idea. He talked about COVID and how that really didn't affect the work life all that much. Probably not as bad as most. Uh, so, you know, as a financial advisor, you know, whether you're, whether, you know, the world's shut down or uh, you're in the office, you know, people still have your money invested with you. So yeah. uh, obviously there were some uh, strenuous phone calls in March of 2020, but. Oh, I bet. You know, when I was, initially when that first hit, like I looked at all of my shit and it had dropped like yeah. 80, 90 K and like overnight kind of thing. Right. And I was yeah. like fo- fully pe- panic button i was pushing it like the shoot was depressed like and and i had so many of my buddies that were kind of like not like you not where really like fi- actual financial advisor but like buddies were like dude just fucking chill yeah, it's all yeah. coming around again right like you're, yeah. you're a younger ish dude like you got lots of time man don't worry about that shit yeah 100 percent. i mean the only guys i know who really got burned were you know day trading when this was all going on like i, I had someone call into my office recently and they're trying to tell me like basically how to do my job. And he's just like, yeah, I love it. I lost all my money during uh, the pandemic. I was like, you know, most people bounce back pretty quick there, bud. <laughs> yeah. Right. Holy but, shit. Uh, did did yeah, some man. bad trading over that time. If that's the case. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you're telling, you're trying to tell me what to do, but you blew through your savings. Like, you know, if you just held on, you would have been, you would have been okay. But You would have uh, been fine. Oh, I'm totally mine back up to it. I think I'm past where I was. I mean, the panic button, there was no, there, you didn't need to press it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know people uh, love their panic buttons, but sometimes you just gotta, you know, throw in the drawer and lock it away and, uh, you know, maybe yeah. swallow the key while you're at it. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and if you can like get into some high risk shit too, when you're a bit younger, like that's one of the yeah. reasons I was able to buy into Vancouver into the housing market. And like, you know, when I was like, you know, early twenties, I was like, fuck it, man, I don't care. I mean, I'm, I'm in for the long haul. So put me into some shit that's like, maybe like dicey, yeah. but I'm going to 25, 30% to pay off on it. Right. 
Oh, hundred percent. I think, yeah, when you're young, you know, don't, don't put all your eggs in one basket, but totally. uh, you know, you, you gotta be able to take some risk and, you know, I think you gotta be comfortable losing it all, which scares some people because when yeah. you're dealing with high risk shit, like, you know, it, it could theoretically go to zero. So totally, you gotta 100%. take some chances. And, and, and I know I've come across countless people who have, you know, maybe somewhat similar to yourself, but we were able to buy a house because of, you know, crypto exploding or something like that. Well, so, that's the one, that's the one thing I kind of kicked yeah. myself. My buddies were like, dude, get into crypto. And it was like, when it was like 300 or something like that, I was like, I'm yeah. not, that's, I'm not throwing my money away. Right. And like, now I'm like, ah. I don't even want to yeah. think about that shit. Oh yeah. I met a guy maybe six months ago. He, he was one of the first holders of Bitcoin. I think he said he held it in like 2013 or something like that. And he sold it after a year. <laughs> the full talk with financial advisor Canuck Ryder, etc. Uh, Trevor Beggs is just over a half hour long. You can hear it, you can see it. We did it on Zoom as we generally do. It's all over our social media platforms, of course, all at Toddcast Podcast, also on iTunes and Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube. We got Trevor talking about the uh, big NHL trades over the summer. He built the ultimate Vancouver Canucks hockey team, which of course sounds easy, but why don't you give it a shot? He talked about binging the Manti Teo football documentary. I think I'm mispronouncing that guy's name. Uh, that's some crazy shit, by the way. He shared a funny story about uh, fantasy football as well. And of course, we got him to give his take on how the Canucks are going to do this season. Now, keep in mind, though, this is before Miller's $56 million contract signing. Yeah, I mean, I think what I would do and what I think the team's going to do are do two different things. Um, look, I, I don't want to write off this management group yet, but they've been, you know, more conservative than I think any of us, any of us really thought, um, which, and you can use the cap flat cap as an excuse, but then again, you go and see Calgary pull some wacky shit out of their ass. So, right. um, at my fear right now, and, and I said this when we were doing some Miller predictions on next misconduct is exactly kind of like you said, is that right now they're saying, oh, there's no pressure. Yeah. We don't have a pressure point to the deadline. I mean, those are, those were Rutherford's words. Right. I mean, if they're in a playoff spot, which is a good chance they are at the deadline, I don't think they're trading Miller. Why would, I, honestly, I mean, the way how I, could they at that point? Like, yeah, exactly. So the way the way I see it playing it out is that, you know, Cox going to make the playoffs. They're going to hold on to Miller. You know, they're going to bow in the first round, maybe maybe win around, and probably get knocked at the playoffs and Miller's going to walk for nothing. I mean, that's a bit pessimistic. And I, I usually I'm an optimistic guy, but uh, that's kind of how I see it playing out right now. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. Um, uh, I, I do think the conversation it, it is, I had today with Brian almost yeah. word for word. Yeah. It's because uh, yeah, you don't, like you don't uh, suddenly you're like, ah, well, whatever. There's a guy that helped us get to this point. Now we'll just let him go and whatever. Like, no, you'll take him, ride him out and get nothing for him at the end of the year, but whatever, at least you ride him out. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's Calgary was able to, again, pull some shit out of their ass when, when Goudreau did that to them. I think they were in a position where there was no way they could trade Johnny hockey. I mean, they had a legitimate shot at the cup last year. Right. Um, but I, there's, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fascinating situation. This, this, the Canucks defense isn't good enough to, to make a deep playoff run. It would take some rose colored Cinderella shit for this team to go on a long run. So <laughs> I, I mean, it's, uh, I, I'm always trying to be optimistic. It is uh, almost September. It's, it's time for optimism, but uh, yeah, I think we've, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of crappy hockey in this market for almost a decade now since, since the good times. So yeah. I think it's fair for fans to be jaded. And I think a lot of fans are are realistic about the long-term goal as well. And the need so to I'll take a step back to take two steps forward. Yeah, checking out the full talk is definitely worth your while. Uh, talking about the Canucks 2011 Cup run and the craziness that was downtown Vancouver. Like I did my radio show from there. There was a couple big screen TVs set up. They closed down right by the library uh, downtown Vancouver. And the crowd, you could feel the energy. It was just electric. As soon as we started getting a, a bit of a, a drubbing there and uh, Boston was up, whatever it was, 4-2 or, or or whatever that that particular game was. And uh, so I left. And so we talked a, a lot about that. And you talked about growing up with, with classic rock and shared a, a cute story about his, his daughter and the Beatles. Jake Paul's social media circus came up. So did a near-death story. Talked about playing hockey and soccer as a, a little kid. And the fact that he's a big CFL and NFL fan. Big CFL guy, big NFL guy. Uh, I, I almost feel guilty that I've become a bigger NFL guy as opposed to CFL over the years, but uh, oh, yeah. definitely still definitely still love the Lions and watch the CFL. I think a lot like, of guys are like that too, too, and I don't know what it is. Like, is it just that there's more like partying with the NFL for some reason? Like, I don't know what it is. I think it's a couple things. I think it's talent. Uh, first and foremost, I think the talent is just far superior to the CFL. 
Yeah. Uh, but I was saying like the whole like betting and fantasy like really helped NFL take off as well. Yeah. Um, but there's things I like about the CFL game better. Like I think three down football moves a lot faster. Like the field's bigger. For sure it does. Um, yeah, I think that, but it's the, the refing in the CFL, not to be one of those guys like, oh, the damn refs. But I feel like the refing really, really bugs me in the CFL. And then the, just the talent's lacking for the most part. But again, good in BC to, this year for it to have Nathan Rourke. Because I feel like we've been oh, lacking yeah, a star player We're like that for a while. kicking some ass this year. It's looking good. 100%. Red Truck Beer. You never forget your first truck. Official beer of the Toddcast podcast.
the Toddcast podcast is powered by Milano Coffee, bringing you the finest espresso and coffee concepts in the world. Online at milanocoffee.ca. And now, listen to this on the Toddcast podcast. If you grew up in Canada, late 80s, early 90s, watched much music, there's no way you won't know Ed the Sock. Loudmouth Sock smokes a stogie, rants with the best of them, and just goes off. Ed helped make much cool back then, constantly pushing boundaries and expectations, calling out celebrities to their faces, a take-no-shit approach to pop culture, politics, the environment, you name it. And when Ed the Sock was a guest of the podcast, we talked to him about his first concert, Kiss and Ozzy's farewell, I'm air quoting, farewell tours, whether he thought that aliens have visited, MMA came up, so did seeing movies on the big screen. We shared near-death stories. His was involving WWE legend Bret Hart. We talked about Canada's political scene, how music has become a commodity, and Ed talked about being at Woodstock 99 with much music, and that is one of his career highlights. Listen to this. Pretty difficult to figure out what I like the most. It's easier to figure out the people I like the least, but mostly <laughs> I didn't pay that much attention. It was just a job. I went in, I did my shtick, I went the hell home. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Um, but highlights, I really liked uh, being at Woodstock 99. Oh, yeah, I bet. Because I was live on the air. I was the person, and this was noted in the media, I was the person who first said, this is about to go straight to hell. And it did. And I was the one who predicted it, which, you know... That sort of odd notoriety, but I watched that for three days in blistering heat on a, in a venue that was an old military base, so it had no shade, no place people could skulk in the shadows, and people were charging 10 bucks for small bottles of water. I knew this was about to boil over. Yeah. And the, that afternoon, when they started knocking over the outhouses and body surfing in the crap, I, uh, th- I knew this was Lord of the Flies. And so being a part of something that's actually unfolding in front of you, historically, that was great fun. But generally, just being on much music, being on a place where they let me say whatever I wanted. Nobody spoke to me beforehand saying, what are you going to talk about? What are you going to say about this? Nobody ever asked me. No one told me not to talk about something. No one gave me hell after. Well, maybe they gave me hell after, but it didn't really matter. Because going forward, they didn't, there was no rules. They allowed, they respected me enough to say, to let me do what I want to do, say what I wanted to say, and they allowed the other VJs of my generation to be who they were. They hired people who they, who they knew, who they trusted, whose personalities they liked, and said, go do your thing. And this, see, this is the thing that's gone missing in those last 10 years. Mm-hmm. As more and more people, media figures and politicians, became very tightly controlled about what they were saying or allowed to say. This is why people around the world are starting to take to, to, to caught into the appeal of an idiot like Trump, because Trump says what he means and means what he says. So I think people are attracted to that as opposed to the crap that comes out of his mouth. My job is to, is to, to come back and do what I always did, which was say what I mean and mean what I say, but do it with some freaking brains. Listen to this on the Toddcast podcast is brought to you by Tedco RV Supplies in Langley an ICBC-approved repair shop. Visit them on Facebook and Twitter at Tedco RV Supplies.
Yes. Don't you just love when you stumble across a band and they're so damn good? The band is Sorry in Spanish and a new song for them, a new new song for the podcast called Lifelines. They're based out east. They're fronted by the guy that keeps ToddHancock.ca updated, oddly enough. He goes, hey, dude, I'm in a band, you know, and he's been doing this for a couple of years for me. Uh, and I had no idea that he was in a band. He was like, Hey, I got, you know, I'm in a band and I got a new song. If you want to hear it, I'm like, absolutely. And I'm not, you know, honestly, like when I'm sent stuff, I'm sent so much music that, um, you know, not all of it is ready. And that's blows me away. That song is beyond ready. How about that? By the way, a couple songs in this week's podcast that aren't local. Normally we're like 90, 95% of the music that we play is based in Vancouver, whether it's rock or pop or soul or hip hop. Like we play it a country, we play it all. There's so many good bands in our scene that should be getting played on regular radio, but they're just not. It's home, man. Don't get me started down that road. Please don't get me started down that road. But, uh, you know, a couple of really good submissions and we wanted to make sure that you're hearing these bands as well. If you're not hearing any radio, you'll hear it on this podcast. Speaking of, you play, you heard Bobby's Kane and that was a new song for them as well. It's called Don't Do It Again. And they're a great local band. The singer is blind. Bobby's Kane, blind singer. They've played a couple, three maybe actually, uh, podcast shows over the years. Great group of guys as well, man. Catchy songs. Can they play? If you hear of them playing a show near you, try to make it. They absolutely bring it live. Speaking of the live scene, uh, find a small list of shows that are happening locally with the indie scene through toddhancock.ca. If you're you know playing a show, maybe you're going to check one out. If it's indie. Let us know about it and we'll post it up at the website. That is brought to you by our buddies at Mystic Rhythms Rehearsal Studios. 40 plus years experience in the music industry. They know what they're doing. They're family owned, family operated. Every band, literally every band I've talked to loves it there. Find out more through mysticrhythms.ca. Okay, our final guest of episode 281 is legendary Canadian broadcaster Stu Jeffries, this week's entertainment and lifestyle guest, powered by Canuck Auctions, Canada's largest memorabilia and collectibles auction house. It's huge hockey cards and comic books, rare sports items. It's crazy what you can find there. Check them out through canuckauctions.com. They're also good friends, known these guys for years. As mentioned off the top, it was the mid 80s, right? Later elementary school years for me. Stu Jeffries was a massive impact on my life as the host of Good Rockin' Tonight. He's currently the morning host in Toronto at Boom 97.3. First of all, there's no business like it as far as I'm concerned. Um, but also when I hear, and I do every so often hear from people, when you told me that I was the reason you got into broadcasting and stuff, I can't tell you how that makes me feel. That's like, um, uh, you're talking to a guy that was so unbelievably passionate um, about radio more than anything. Um, and uh, and I've, I've loved it since I was, you know, seven, eight, nine years old. I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Mm. So whenever you come across people that are as passionate as I was, I'm like always open the door and yeah, yeah, let's talk about it, man. I love yeah, this absolutely. industry. It's so awesome. TV was great. Uh, it was a wonderful, um, I mean, an amazing opportunity. And Good Rockin' was a show that lasted like 10 seasons. And at CBC, wow. anything that lasts 10 seasons on CBC right now, it's like ridiculous. Right. Um, it was one of those last variety shows that kind of hung in there. And, um, you know, I've always been lucky. I've always been sort of, uh, when I started in radio in 79, AM was still very viable and still playing music and still rocking. In um, 79? Uh, you know, wow. so, yeah, 79. So I was like, so, I was I was fortunate to be uh, on AM when it, when it was still rocking and FM was coming up and then I was on FM when it was happening and then TV doing a video show. Like, could you imagine doing a video show now? It's like, no, because I mean, you can just go to YouTube and find out whatever you want. Right. But I mean, back then it was the only source of information and videos and stuff. So I was lucky to be on that sort of cusp. Yeah. And, and a mutual friend of ours, a guy named Ken Legg had said that like you would, you would go fly to Vancouver, record good rocking tonight, fly back to get to your morning show or whatever it was in i think it was it was i was doing mid i was doing middays in regina at the time so i would i got the job when i was in regina so yeah so i worked monday to friday and then fly out to vancouver do the show saturday fly back sunday 
Uh, and then um, I moved to Vancouver because I, the flying after a while, just I thought it would be really cool. And it was like after two weekends, I'm like, no, mm. this is not cool at all. I I'm could done. see all that good pretty, um, pretty quick. Yeah. Although at first, right, the first couple of weeks you think, and I'm in Regina, right? So I'm like, I'm a jet setter. I'm going to Vancouver. This is awesome, right? Um, uh, but then, yeah, I ended up moving out to Vancouver to just do good rock and solely, but I miss radio so much that uh, and it was hard to sort of get into the Vancouver market at that time. Um, so, uh, I was fortunate to get a job doing mornings in Edmonton and I started that flying back and forth thing again. And then I picked up the switchback job at CBC in Vancouver. So it was Monday to Friday mornings at K97 in Edmonton, leave the show Friday at nine o'clock to go to the Edmonton airport, which is like, it's, if you've ever been to Edmonton, the airport is so far outside the city. It's like another drive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then flying out, uh, to Vancouver, good rock and Saturday, switch back on Sunday and then flying back again to do mornings, Monday to Friday. So that again, didn't last too long, but, uh, I think about it now when you're young and stupid, uh, and just, and you know, the world has kind of opened up for you. You are, um, you're all in. Yeah, Stu's had a fantastic career in broadcast. I mean, for program director and midday announcing in Regina at the same time hosting Good Rockin' Tonight. Eventually gives up the radio job, moves to Vancouver. In the late 80s, early 90s, he's a prominent host on the legendary, and I know I'm tossing this word around, but it's it's fitting, at the legendary CKLG AM 730. Freaking huge radio station. He talked about Clapton and, and Morrison, the phrase, don't meet your heroes. That's Van Morrison. Hosting TV shows back in the day came up. Uh, so did seeing BTO and Bob Seger in concert. That would have been great. And Stu talked about interviewing the Beatles, Paul McCartney, Dire Straits, Mark Knopfler. The highlight in terms of an interview uh, or interviews, I would pick two because they're they're so close to my heart. Uh, Paul McCartney and Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits. So they're two people that I just, they're my wow guys. Yeah. Uh, and so to be able to talk to those two um, was amazing. And, um, and of course, now this is way before, obviously way before smartphones and stuff. So when you got a picture, that picture was worth like a million words, right? And I got both because I, and I never asked anybody I ever interviewed, I never asked for a picture. Uh, and it was only Paul and it was only Mark Knopfler. And uh, so those are two that still are on my, my wall of uh, fame. Uh, you know, that I'll always cherish. And they both ended up being wonderful people. Um, McCartney, I will never forget. My producer, Ken Gibson, and I are in my hotel room uh, hours before the interview and we're going over questions. And he said, uh, well, obviously we're going to have to talk about the Beatles. And I remember thinking, going, like he probably, like he's talked about that all his entire life. Like, yeah, yeah, really? Like, are we really going to go there? And he said, well, God, like, I mean, you've got to. I mean, he's a Beatle. And we were like, yeah, okay. And so we were coming up with questions that we might ask. And whatever my first question was, I can't remember. He answered the question and then took me through the entire cycle of his, him getting into music, him meeting John, the Beatles, the whole thing in like this most gorgeous minute and a half sound bite. And I remember thinking, of course, he's done it so many times. I mean, this is how he executes it, right? And I thought I just had such... I respected him then, but I respected him even more for his answer and for him to appreciate that we all love him because of what he's done before and what he's done now. And it's, it was great. And Mark Knopfler, for the lowest key guy ever, had the greatest sense of humor. And, you know, he wow. was he was put in not like one liners, but just the way he'd answer the questions were very tongue in cheek. And you could tell he's got a little smirk while he's answering. And I'm thinking, I never pegged you for that guy. I pegged you for a serious musician, guitar guy. But clearly he liked to have a little fun. Uh, and uh, we both kind of wore for this picture we got. We both kind of had the same sort of outfit on a jacket and a black T-shirt underneath. He had a blue and I had a red and he was commenting on that. And simple things, but those are the things that are like super near to my heart for interviews. And it's not just music programs that Stu's hosted over the years. After Good Rock and Tonight was canceled in 1993, he moves over to host The Score, which is basically a sports mag. He did the entertainment magazine Metro Cafe, the game show Love Handles. Remember that one? Uh, remember Switchback? Yeah. And he was a VJ for CMT Canada as well. The dude's a beast in Canadian entertainment. And as it turns out, genuinely a, a nice guy. 
So we talked to Stu. It's now posted. I think it's close to, I want to say 37 minutes, almost 40 minutes, something like that. You can see it. Another Zoom call through our iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, of course, our YouTube accounts, all of our Twitter and Facebook. We slam it all over there. So Stu's talked about interviews that had gone wrong as well, which was very interesting to hear. He shared a couple near-death stories, one involving uh, the Capilano suspension bridge, like nothing on their end. It was, everything was fine. Everything was safe, but I mean, shit almost went sideways. He talked about 70s radio. He talked about the pandemic and how it affected, you know, the radio job. He talked about the last show that he'd seen in theater, watching Avengers Endgame with his family. Yeah, saw Avengers Endgame with my kids and um, uh, all three of them, and my wife, uh, all three of us, or all four of us at the theater. And man, at that moment where they all assemble at the uh, end, I got chills. I mean, I read those comics when I was a kid. And totally, it seems right? to me that the Marvel, yeah, the Marvel Universe just keeps getting better and better. And I know it's CGI and I don't give a crap. It's just so good. You see Captain America turn around and all his peeps are there and he says, Avengers Assemble. Give me that all the time. I was like, yeah, let's yeah. go. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Like back in you know back back to your good rock and tonight days, it was it was it was music for me, and it was comic books, you know. And yes, and yes. to and to know that they're at the point where they are now, releasing as many blockbuster huge movies, it just yeah. blows my mind that we're at this point. I never because like you know as a kid you used to get you'd be called like a what a nerd, and you know it was kind of nerdy. Yeah, to yeah, comic books, right? For sure. And also, you didn't get the great special effects that we have now. I mean, the Spider-Man movies and the Captain America movies when we were kids were just garbage. Right. But, you know, now it's sort of like that's the yeah, that's the Captain America I remember. And I remember one thing I particularly enjoy now about watching movies is a good rock and towards the later years, we went on movie junkets all the time. So and we weren't critics. We were just presenters. So I would get a chance to talk to the stars of the movie and get them to talk about their role. Uh, what the movie meant to them and all that stuff. Mm. Um, and I remember that the schedule was so hectic. And in a lot of ways, it kind of ruined the sort of movie experience, knowing how sometimes you'd find out how the stars really felt about their roles or, you know, or maybe you met them and they weren't really very forthcoming or they weren't very nice. And it kind of ruined the experience. So glad to have that behind me now where you can go to a movie and just dig it and you don't have to worry about, you know, oh, yeah, I interviewed him or I interviewed her and they are not very nice or whatever. It's not like I just enjoy it. Toddcast Podcast Entertainment Guest Visits are powered by Canuck Auctions, Canada's largest memorabilia and collectibles auction house. Find them online at CanuckAuctions.com.
one is going to be big in the live shows. Holy crap. They're called Hunting Giants, a new song for them called Ancient Text. And you can find that on their new album called Mythos. Thanks for sending that one in, boys. Digging the new music. Looking forward to seeing it live as well. Keep me in that loop. Looking forward to speaking of things to look forward to. Next week, you'll hear from 12 guests as they talk about aliens, the chances of visitation, or even living among us. They're not a guest next week, but check out what adult film star Romy Rain had to say. I mean, I definitely believe in... uh other beings, other worlds. I think it's very stuck up of humanity to think that we're the only ones possible in the, the universe, all the different universes right. and all that. Um, I don't know if they look like us, but I believe that there's some things out there for sure. And did they kind of confirm that there was like UFOs and aliens a long time ago, but people kind of just didn't really want to register that? I think so, yeah. And I think that they were like, you know, also kind of trying to half-ass cover it up in that like, oh, if we let them know, it's just going to cause mass hysteria. People are going to go out of their minds and shit. It's like, probably not. Yeah, I mean, people were, I mean, I think it was worse when it was like people didn't have any idea what was going on. And then there were just these random sightings or these random interactions that some people had. Um, but it was pretty funny. Like, yeah, yeah, I, unidentified flying objects, they totally exist. And we're like, yeah, we know. We've been seeing. Like, duh. <laughs> I mean, personally, have you ever had any experiences? Um, no, not me, not personally, but I do believe, I, I believe that, uh, you know, how could you not believe when you see those UFOs and they're going like Mach 6 million making right hand degree turn, like 90 degree turns. Like we don't have that technology. So, you know, just cause I didn't personally see it and it's somebody's video and yeah, sure. You can doctor videos up mm-hmm. like random Dave Smith doesn't know how to doctor up a video to that point. No, it's true. I mean, I haven't seen anything personally either, but like, I don't, I don't understand how it could possibly not be true. And I believe that some people have definitely seen some things. Um, Yeah. yeah, I think there's shit out there. I think the government definitely knows more than we know. I think if, we've had interaction they definitely know and i i almost feel like we have you know i feel like they've been attempting to do so but i also wait who said this not bill gates the other really the really really smart guy who knows who talks about this bill gates your boyfriend no shut up um, the other one stop you know what i'm talking about with the stephen hawking yes Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking said that um, uh, if aliens are out there or like certain things are out there and we're signaling at them, we probably don't want to do that because if they're anything even halfway like us and they're more intelligent and they're more capable and they're more stronger, you don't think they're kind of down here and say like, what the fuck are you guys doing and colonize the shit out of us? It's happening. (laughs) Yeah, you think it's already happening? It's happening right now. Maybe, but I mean, I agree with that thought process too of like, should we really be begging for smarter life forms to come over here? Like, I don't know if that's a good idea, you guys. Should be egging them on. She's not wrong. Uh, Next week, we're talking aliens. Do they live among us? Have they visited? Do they regularly visit? 12 guests share their thoughts, uh, talking to everybody from Nickelback singer Chad Kruger, Chantel Kraviasek, WWE superstar Dolph Ziggler, fitness icon Monica Brandt, hustler model Kitty Quinn, marijuana activist and author Dana Larson. It's a good week. It's a fun little week for you. Of course, we wanted to give a big thanks to this week's guests as well. Serena Ryder, you are the best. Thank you for taking some time to jump on a Zoom and hang out with us. Have a blast at your show tomorrow night in Mission at the Clark Theater. Canucks writer, managing editor of Nux Misconduct, host of the Morning Practice podcast, Trevor Beggs. Great to finally meet you, dude. Hanging out, talking Canucks. Appreciate the time. And Canadian broadcaster Stu Jeffries, what else to say, but you are a legend. Like I said, man, you are a a god among men. What an honor to shoot the shit with you. You've influenced so many in the industry over the years. Keep kicking ass, dude, and doing what you do. And that's going to do it for this one. Episode 281. My name is Todd Hancock. Thank you again for for listening and hanging out. I know there's lots of choices. You chose this podcast, which of course I don't take lightly. If you like what you heard, please tell your friends about us. Subscribe. Of course, it helps out through iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube. Of course, we're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and everything else. Comment, rate the podcast, search it out. Toddcast podcast. Of course, huge thanks 
to all of our wonderful sponsors. We couldn't do it without their support. Find all links to all sponsor websites at toddhancock.ca. If you'd like to sponsor the podcast, did you know you can for as little as 10 bucks a day? Contact info is at the homepage. If you help us find a sponsor, we will give you a commission based on the ad buy. Find another podcast that does that. We've been doing that for a long time. Know a business that should sponsor us? Send them our way and we'll take it from there. Till next week, don't be an asshole. Nobody wants to be around that. Have fun, play hard, and most of all, believe in yourself. You've been listening to the Toddcast Podcast, powered by The Pint, Vancouver's favorite sports bar at 455 Abbott Street and online at vancouver.thepint.ca.